everybody. I'm Grant. And I'm Eric. And you're listening to the Quacking Ducks podcast, where each week we take turns picking a media we love to talk about. Grant, what did we talk about today? Today we talked about a magic-y book of comics. The comic books of magic. This week's topic. Magic books. Books of magic. Early Harry Potter. I mean, not you're not wrong, but uh, so I guess I'll do a little bit of a summary. Uh-huh. So, somewhat spoiler-free as much as I can, and you'll do your yeah. reactions and stuff. So uh the this is a graphic novel from like the pre like the early vertigo days of DC before they were like their indie print and more and they were still very much in the DCU but it was just like their darker edgier britishier version of stuff looks like uh, 1990 was the yeah. year wow. so this is a neil gaiman book uh but it so it, it does cover a lot of some of the similar stuff that you see in like Sandman and stuff but it's its own thing it's just it was just a mini series originally that he wrote um and the idea is there's this kid named Tim Hunter who Grant is correct looks exactly like Harry Potter mm. uh and that's supposedly just a coincidence uh mm. who is has the potential to be a extremely powerful magic user in the DCU should he choose to pursue magic. Uh, so he is approached by four characters from the DCU, which are the Phantom Stranger, uh, John Constantine, Dr. Occult, and Mr. E. Uh, and each of them takes a turn kind of very quickly giving him a surface level education on a aspect of how magic has or w- does or will work in the DCU and they just take turns and try to get him that kind of, like exposure uh it ends up kind of being like a little bit of a meta fiction cuz it's kind of a ton of references and easter eggs to stuff that if you're a hardcore DC comic fan yeah. that you'll pick up on but it does it in a very in a way that feels very holistic and like it, it I at least I find it doesn't feel weird by you know showing you a bunch of things for, that came from like different eras and different authors and stuff uh, so I am a huge fan of this book I, I like it because it has a ending and it is one graphic novel versus like all of Sandman or all of Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Much so easier to, to yeah, get Yeah, so that's into. why I wanted to pick it. And I know Grant's a DC fan, but hasn't been a, a hasn't done a big deep dive into like the Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore, Vertigo era, Grant Morrison, that kind of stuff. So let's yeah. see what Grant thought. Well, 
Uh, do we want to do spoiler review stuff? Uh, I mean, it's up to you. I think All I did right, at I'll least say... a, a non-spoiler non-spoiler description so that people sure. can be like, if that sounds interesting to you, go check it out. It is on Comixology. I think that's how both of us read it, because yeah. I don't have yeah. my physical copy with me. Um, so yeah, well, if, if you are not, if you're convinced now, pause now and go read it, and then Grant can give, he can tell you if he, if it sucks or not, and then if you're not convinced after that, then we're going full spoilers. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, I dug it. I super dug it. I, um, like you said, I haven't, uh, gone as deep into, uh, any of the, you know, gaming, uh, more stuff. Uh, I've, you know, caught trips and drabs, just knowing you, uh, <laughs> and, like, uh, getting suggestions in the past. So, I mean, I have read, I think, all of Sandman. It's nine volumes, right? I don't know, because like I read that. it in digital, and then I have sure. the absolute versions. It was okay. four absolute giant fucking textbook yeah, tomes. I, so. I read a lot of but, it, at least. Enough. And then yeah. I read, uh, you know, I've, I've read a couple of other things around that. Uh, you're really super big into specifically Magic in DC, mm-hmm. like, uh, and like specifically Constantine. But, uh, like, I, and I dig a lot of stuff uh that this book has that like I there's bits of the Madrick DC that I really dig. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, because you're a big Doctor Fate, yeah, Black Adam kind yeah. of fan. I love I love Doctor Fate, love Black Adam, and uh I actually also uh really like uh the Spectre as well. Mm-hmm. Um so uh this book has a really good there's a couple other books that it reminded me of just because of its nature so like if anybody's read um uh 52 uh which is like it's hard to find because if you search 52 in dc it'll just like nine different yeah uses of that number yeah right but there's a there's a a year-long single volume that was called just 52 uh, and it was following specifically Black Adam, and I think that's the original, like instance of the number having significance in the unit DC comics too. Yeah, it may have been because um, isn't isn't it really? It's just like there are fifty two weeks in a year. Yeah, and comics are re- released it, weekly. It was after I forget which event, one of the crises. I think there was a year without the tr- the Trinity. There's a year mm-hmm. without Batman, Superman, and and Wonder Woman. And like basically that year, like was skipped so that they wouldn't actually yeah, have what, stop one year later, and, right? Quote, like quote unquote one year later was the the event taking place after that skip, right? And then fifty two was the the fill in the blank, basically the lost year, yeah, yeah. So that that um that series has a decent amount of uh magicy shit in it, um, because it has uh it has the specter i believe uh it uh, the question is it's trench coat man that plays a a big mm-hmm. part of it it's, it's for montoya's question so it's a, a og question isn't uh, it actually the, pa- the, the passing yeah, of the mantle happens in that yes, story yeah um and it also has um phantom stranger in it um 
uh, plays a pretty decent sized role. And anyway, so it, this kind of reminded me of that just because it, it has it is more of a magic thing. It's a limited series, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so it works for that. Uh, there, obviously, it also reminds me of Harry Potter a bit. Um, it also it kind of reminds me also. Uh, I'm sure this was inspired by it. Marvel did a thing. Uh, a couple years ago, where they had a series that was uh, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerers Supreme, plural. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That dealt with, like, it was a little bit more, like, the big war with all the Doctor Who's coming together, because it was, like, all the Sorcerers Supreme from the ages all came oh, together gotcha. to do stuff, and, like, future Wiccan, like, was <laughs> there, and, like, had... You know, when he was Sorcerer Supreme in the future and stuff. So just had some kind of stuff that was similarly feeling um, with, like, going traveling through time and stuff. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I in general, though, I super dug this. Um, I feel like uh, it's one of the things that it kind of does really well, especially if you're someone who has read... It might Maybe it would be interesting to to see what it would if it would get people interested in some of the other stuff, like yeah. you know, Sandman, Sandman stuff ties into it. And one of my favorite bits of this book is that there's a part where they're going to the end of the universe, like the chronological end, not a distance. And my first thought when they were heading there was, Oh, Hey, I hope we get to see death. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I remember the part in, Sandman, where she's talking about how the universe will end and she'll kill, be the final thing that's... Yeah, she was you know, the first the thing and the last thing. You know, and like, you know, I I really dug that part about her character and I remembered it. So the second that they started heading there, I was like, oh man, I really hope that that shows up. And then there's some like weird shit that showed up and I was like, oh, and then she showed up and I was like, yay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, like, that was just before the end of the universe. right. right. Yeah. When there was still anything. Um, so yeah, I dug that a lot. Um, and I also dug that um, there was also one of the things I like about this is it definitely does it, you know, it ties mainline DC in with um, you know, Damon's Sandman, you know, mm-hmm. universe, like which is already tied together. This is just does a a more not of doing, you know, doing yeah, that because they go into the, the they go into the fairy, uh, you know, land and stuff. Which, like, you know, I remember when I was reading through Sandman, he talked to the Midsummer's Night Dream, <laughs> like uh, people, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. I dug that. I dug seeing more of that, you know. And I, I uh, so yeah, I, I really thought that was cool. Um, yeah, Trenchcoat Brigade. Trenchcoat Brigade. Um, I dug a lot about this. I don't know. I it felt very going into the 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 like fairy. I think since I've like since I've read Sandman in the time in between, I have gotten really into D and D, and so I th- I feel like I also enjoyed that from that perspective a lot more. Yeah. Of like, oh, this is like a really cool like setting that I'd love to explore, mm-hmm. and like you know would want to check out and have different rules here and like you know uh obviously having uh you know uh like different aspects of characters and what face they choose to 
present and stuff. It was just like a very interesting kind of mm-hmm. setup. Um, so yeah, uh, I dug this a lot. Uh, I thought it was really, really good. Nice. Yeah. I One thing I think that's interesting about it is it is kind of, if you're like a, like original DC animated you fan, there's a lot for you to appreciate, but also I, I don't know if these are original things to the book or if they're just like deep cuts, but there are things that feel very additive, like the the allusion to the idea that uh the that Spectre might be an archangel. Yeah. And they see that early because there's like a shot where Yeah. They see the archangels the and it's, of the, yeah, yeah, there's like five or six giant yeah. hooded figures but they each have a different primary color mm-hmm. and you wouldn't notice you wouldn't put two and two at the time but it's like if it's a giant person with pale white skin and a colored hood right, right. and one of them is green it's like well when they're by themselves you would recognize them as, as the specter but as a collective of primary colored right. beings you wouldn't necessarily recognize it and then later when you see it it's like you look familiar like yeah, you know like that uh, the way Dr. Fate is handled, I think, is really interesting, where yeah, it's like... Yeah, yeah. so there, there's a part where, like, you meet Dr. Fate in the present, and it's just like, oh, it's just Dr. Fate, he's here, like, he's uh-huh. another person who does magic that we meet in the present, but then they they show him in, in like, post-Legion of Superheroes time, and he still exists, but he's like, they really emphasize the, like, He's fucking crazy. Yeah, he's now. like corrupted and yeah. been alone for too long, and he's yeah, just like driven into insanity and mm-hmm. evil. It's great. Yeah, it's so yeah, cool. I love that. I love uh, you know, they show Merlin when they're doing their their historical yeah. past stuff. It's like, oh yeah, Merlin, and then later it they see Jason Blood, and it's like, wait, I saw you when I was talking to yeah. Merlin, like, a thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is kind of interesting, the art style is very... Well, it changes, even throughout. Yeah, it's, I think it's different between the four chapters, but yeah. then also, it's, it is pretty abstract, so I appreciate that there's exposition that helps that kind of yeah, stuff, because, like, true. there's right. a lot of what, art styles where, like, like, I wouldn't... Yeah, yeah I, I would not recognize, like, yeah, you could say, like, oh, he's got the red hair with the white streak, but, like, the art styles do make it right. difficult to right. recognize characters sometimes. Well, and and honestly, like, the thing that's fun about that stuff and, like, calling it out is that, you know, it's it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be, like, just a subtle thing. It could be, like, a, a fun understanding of what a trip they're taking. Like, it, it mm-hmm. kind of felt, like, to me, uh, very similar to... Um, uh, Francisco and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Is that mm-hmm. their name? Uh, am I getting that right? So, uh, being they can live forever and kind of change oh, his gender and uh, stuff. Crap, no, but I know who the character you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. one sec. I'll look it up, but. Yeah. But basically, like seeing, like you said, seeing Jason Blood, you know, with Merlin and then seeing him way later. And then even I also like just the fact that uh, uh, I don't even know if. You know much about this, but after New Fifty Two, like I got for a little bit, I was really digging, uh, uh, following, uh, Etrigan, uh, yeah. the, the demon that's tied to Jason Blood, and uh, Etrigan. I was like reading uh, Demon Knights and stuff that was like uh, part of the one of the new runs featuring mm-hmm. 
And uh, what's fun is when they went to hell, Etrigan was there. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, so, like, just seeing that and seeing Jason Blood twice, like, it was just a very fun, like, uh, if you do know that stuff, it's, like, there's, like, a lot of different layers of, like, there's stuff for people who just happen to know what Etrigan looks like and, and can spot him in a, you know, big group picture of a bunch of demons. But then there's also, you know, higher, there's, like, Jason Blood and, like, calling him out. So, like, I feel like there's multiple levels of, like, just showing different characters and stuff. I'm assuming that there's some stuff that I missed in the um, the big magic party that Zatanna takes a, him to that, like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that there's some people that I'm like, I just don't know who that is, but Yeah, the only person I, cool, I remember you know? is, like, Faustus. Who's, right, you right. Know, uh, and Orlando was the character you're thinking of. Orlando, that's right. Yeah, Francis, which is, yeah, yeah, in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the character is, like, immortal... And they so through their story, you kind of see different time periods. And it's and interesting. They have, uh, they have a deal that they like, or a bet or whatever that they do with another immortal being that they like meet at a bar or something. Oh, right? uh, that is from. I think that's actually from Sandman that you're thinking of. Oh, you're right. Uh, there's you're a thing right. where there's an immortal character who does that, and there's. Some illusion that he is like the wandering Jew myth, but that's okay, like which I'm has not also even... been tied to Phantom yeah. Stranger as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that there's that's one where it's like I don't know enough about that mythology to even sure. understand what it is, but I just know that they reference it in that Sandman story. But yeah, there um, you go. There's see this all shit. All tied together. Gaming likes yeah. it, and it kind of reminds me of some uh, yeah. more that, stuff. Speaking of the shit, all ties together. Because there's this, if, like, both audience, but also Grant, if you're digging this, I will say, uh, Swamp, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is actually, like, there's, like, a sequential order to a lot of these books and callbacks and stuff. It's, it like, this era of the, the comics was almost, like, MCU-y, mm-hmm. because, uh, in... Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is the... It is when Zatara dies, uh, right. which they reference. And then also uh, uh, Sargon the Sorcerer, who's the guy who had, like, the turban and the jewel, he dies in that same story. And, mm. like, the whole, like, how uh, uh, John Constantine is, like, deba- debatably responsible and stuff, that is all is happens in that uh, comic run. Mm. So it is. There are a ton of like those kind of callbacks and and stuff. Um, because yeah, it's really weird because you wouldn't think that from a surface level, but like, I read them out of order. And I kind of wish I didn't because Sandman really does feel like a sequel to, uh, Swamp Thing, mm. in a lot of ways. Oh, I just remember. So there was a on my rereading this time. There was a character reference that I I forgot entirely about and thought it was so fucking cool uh in one of the pieces where they're traveling through the future there's a part where they get to a place where it's like oh they've like there's this place is so fucking complicated like there is magic and there is technology and like they're so intertwined i can't even Uh, tell and like but there's a part where there's like a something communicating. That, that did stick out to me, by the way. Don't, there's a, there's a different part earlier where there's like, 
oh, there's technology so advanced it's it might as well be magic, but then and that's like Legion time frame or like space opera time yeah, frame. Yeah. But yeah. there's another place further in the future that is saying that they're literally both are happening at the same time. Right. And there's a voice being like, hey, we recognize you, Tim, as someone from this era. Can you help us with this, like finding this person? And the person they're looking for is Abracadabra, the Flash villain, <laughs> who is historically like he's a time traveler who uses time technology to make it seem like he's a magician. And that's his supervillain shtick. But then sometimes he actually can do magic. So it's like a pretty deep cut uh-huh. to just throw in there in the middle. I thought that's that was cool. really cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And like there's they they have some like background stuff in that where they they show Jonah Hex because there's an era where Jonah Hex had time traveled to the future and was doing like mm. more road warrior Mad Maxi kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, there's some great stuff in this that is like deep cuts. Yeah. I mean, I would say um I guess one thing that this uh, whole thing sort of uh, made me feel is that I kind of wish, like, so uh, going back to talking about, you know, getting into D&D and then, and then having them go to, you know, fairy, because uh, they don't call it fae, I think they just call it fairy. They, they call uh, it a bunch of names because yeah. it is, it is simultaneous. This this plays into Sandman in a weird way where right. uh, there's a philosophy that stories are simultaneously true and not true and therefore right. are more important than things that are real. Uh, and they so that's why Fairyland is like it's everything that right. one would think it is. Right. Um, but I guess the the thing that it made me. Uh, feel like the most is that I would I wanted to kind of see like we got multiversity uh when Grant Morrison you know essentially tried to to take all of you know DC comics and essentially like lay out a, a full yeah, know, how does it all work together? You know, map for how everything works together, and I think he did a, a you know really awesome job, and it's, and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of it just made me a little bit like interested in what if Neil Gaiman had tried to do that mm-hmm. same thing, you know, like like a, you know Grant Morrison obviously has Dream, you know, in his multiversity, like it's part of. DC Comics and and like so he has that as a you know part of it so technically mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's well listed it's you know in his basically if you think of Grant Morrison's multiversity as like a campaign setting like it's it's right set up, yeah it does look right. a lot like those like oh, the totally. realms of existence totally. and everything yeah yeah, yeah. The, 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 it's the the map or whatever is like straight very similar like it's really really similar but just you know obviously branded with their stuff and like has like the speed force wall and some cool shit like that uh which i love i think it's really fascinating i got really into it and i dig it but i it just it made me curious watching or reading through this you know this was kind of a tour of a lot of that stuff specifically on the magic side and 
and and you know limited because it's just a one volume or whatever but it did make me interested if in order to write this if neil gaiman did any exercise like that mm-hmm. of kind of like laying things out roughly in his own mind and like i just want to see what that looked like you know yeah, like it, that would be a fun it would be interesting because i imagine he would avoid less like lines between things the way you know like right right like you said there's very like definitive like this is the realm of x and this is the realm of y in multiversity right and uh, like gaiman's approach has always felt more like you know there is like like trying to allow the freedom of like oh there's no reason spider-man can't and uh Superman can't hang out with each other in your head. Like that right. like legal constraints are, are not a thing in the realm of imagination. Right. Period. So therefore in his cosmologies there is nothing that prevents those kinds of things as well in a way that like a a map would not allow that. And and like Morrison found clever ways around that where he just made characters that were essentially the marvel characters and just put them somewhere right, right. um so i it, i think it would be interesting because i but like just to keep things straight you would still have to do something right you know? i think i think in general it would be like you said a lot like morrison's is a lot more and i i'm not saying i don't like it again i want to stress how much i appreciate the work that he did because it's fascinating mm-hmm. and and i and i totally like in general i'm i'm much more of a Morrison, I like to define everything and map it out and, like, you know, like, have fun just figuring out where shit should go and stuff like that. And, like, I think he did a really cohesive look at that. It's really awesome. Uh, But I think, yeah, this reading this story just made me interested in, like, how Gaiman would approach it. And I do think you're right that it would be a lot more fluid and a lot more, you know, connected to, like, you know, even in this book, we get elements of, like, where is this place? And like you said, it's like, well, it's like hell, but... It's not the not hell, you're, it's Not what you're hell. thinking about. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's 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 the concept of hell for some people and, like, you know, like, the way that uh, Sandman does this as well is just very very much a, like, well, I mean, it's what you thought of, so, like, it's... Yeah, your version of this or your interpretation or the way you see it or whatever and like the same thing for even in this book they talk about all the different realms of different stories that people create and yeah, all, what, all their what are the commonalities like, between hells and it's like it's a place where people are punished because of their guilt for doing bad things like that's right. pretty much all he'll say about it right. and then and any- if, you, if you look at like American Gods and stuff you get very much a similar kind of thing of like well, I mean, like, less people believe in that guy, so, like, he's mm-hmm. less powerful. So, right. you know, that, you know, so, the you know, that's kind of the way that it shakes out is, like... Yeah, everything kind of obeys the collective unconsciousness interpretation of an idea. So yeah. it's like, if everyone agrees on a version of Hell, that's the, that's the one that is canon, but with some fuzziness around the areas where people don't agree. Right. And even like, like speaking of like, we'll say hell a lot in the comics. Cause demons are fun, but like 
they never fucking say heaven ever right. like as mm-hmm. the, as a thing there's a thing that is there's a thing that always feels like it's what we are trying to describe when people in real life describe heaven but they never like they always call it something else that almost sounds more uh like more uh not profane but the op- opposite of that mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like the the silver city or something usually right, is like right. their kind of go-to which i find interesting because it's like they make it, it it almost feels like respectful to the concept of like oh we're not gonna fucking just show a bunch of you know angels with wings flapping around and playing their harps because that's seems like they they're acknowledging that it's like oh that would be a juvenile depiction but also we want to like allow for the existence of something that just mm-hmm. yeah it's it's super interesting the way they handle that kind of stuff cuz the swamp thing arc that i was talking about they do a very similar thing where like you know there's kind of the supernatural version of heaven and hell where it's like hell sucks but also heaven is like order to the extreme where it's it's almost fascistic Mm -hmm. you know but then there's good and evil are not that like heaven is not the representation of good it's an a interpretation and hell is a interpretation of evil so then what happens when actual good and actual evil are also things depicted on the comic book page Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and like in in the like they have the like the good guys and Etrigan and, and like the demons teaming up against evil because right evil will destroy everything in this story not you know including hell essentially right right um yeah so yeah, you I, get that you, you get that kind of stuff in in a lot of fiction that does this stuff like with D and D as well it is mm-hmm. very like. Well, like, we kind of have to separate it and make it a, a place that's, you know, interesting or whatever. So, you know, they do a lot of stuff that DC Comics has done with, like, Lucifer. Like, where, like, you know, in D&D, it's like, oh, it's, it's you know, lawful evil is the mm-hmm. devils and, you know, chaotic evil is the demons. The demons are just kind of fuck shit up and stuff, but lawful evil, like, ton- tons of D&D campaigns go to, you know to there and they get like contracts that they just set up and yeah. as long as you you know are good at not you know allowing loopholes like you'll be fine and mm-hmm. like you know and you can even work with with devils against something else you know and stuff like that like yeah it gets tricky when you're trying to work in this fictional fictionalization of it yeah um yeah, yeah i love the cosmology that like because I think D&D has the the possibility for that, but by the nature of the agency they're providing to their players, right. you have to go out of your way to kind of yeah. explore that, you know? Right. Whereas, like, with a comic book, it's like, it's still a passive experience, but right. you can broach those topics a Someone little bit better. Someone is taking you there on a tour, kind of. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I'll mention real quick is that there's some aspects that are... That we just were talking about with American Gods and stuff that appear in the Wicked and the Divine that I think you would dig. Yeah, uh, I still need to check I, it out I, eventually. Well, I'll, I'll make it at some point. I'll make it a thing that I choose. Uh, yeah, I can't to, to make you read it. So, uh, yeah, I will. So, 
me kind of approaching this book looking for like where are the points where it's like what what kind of criticisms but more is it just like what are things i want more of mm-hmm. and one thing is like tim's not a character no no at, at all, all. <laughs> you know i saw i saw a review that was like talking about i just like was quickly looking up after i read it to see if anybody you know mentioned this book ever again and mm-hmm. someone wrote like an article a couple years ago being like oh the forgotten influence to you know harry potter which i don't think it was an actual influence i think it's the thing kind of like you know, Parallel thought. Right. Well, it's kind of like with the uh, Hunger Games uh, author. She never, ever heard of uh, uh, Battle Royale, you know, mm-hmm. so like, even though it's very similar. It's right. They're similar, kind of but thing. also it's like, it's not exactly the most original concept from right. either side. Exactly. It's just like, exactly. like, I'm sure they didn't see the fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin movie. Either. Right, right, right. Uh, but like the uh, the article was saying something like, oh, like. But this character was more of a snob, and I was like, "Really? I didn't really get anything from him." Yeah, <laughs> like right. he's kind of just. Sometimes he'll be a little bit more like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I'm teenager," so I'll talk as with teenager levels yeah. of characterization. But yeah, I, yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, now there is, I should say, there is. They've tried to extend the series multiple times, so uh-huh. like. This was, I, I think, essentially treated like the pilot, and there, it, so there was a Vertigo comic that I think very much focuses just on his journey. But I think with the nature of all Vertigo comics at the right. time, it, it moves farther and farther away from the actual DCU. Right. Um, and then more recently, like I've been out of comics for a bit, but apparently they kind of tried to get DC got Gaiman to kind of like help Shepard spin-offs of all of the stuff that he used to work on. So there like there is a modern Books of Magic, there's a modern Lucifer. Uh-huh. Um so I might check that out. I haven't tried it yet. I'm I, like literally I was just scrolling through Google Images looking at pictures of Books of Magic and like all of them are either the cover or the new stuff. Uh-huh. But I am I'm kind of interested just cuz I like the the like it's YA-ish, Harry Potter-ish, but also it firmly exists within the DC magic mm-hmm. universe, which is, it's a lot more Dresden Files than it is Harry Potter, you know, yeah. that kind of tone. Yeah. Um, it's also just like, I love that tone over kind of like, do- like Marvel's Doctor Strange, like they're... I can dig that. I don't. I'm not a fan of that particular strain of magic fiction. I like it to be a little bit more blade, you know, uh-huh. um, a little bit more urban with the sundown kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, which this, I like that this kind of holistically covers everything, right? Um, yeah, and, and I think the the like fantasy noir genre tends to allow for that because it it becomes more interesting to see i think it's more interesting when i see john constantine talk to fairies than it is seeing dr fate do it because it's like well everything's so surreal in dr fate's world that there's no interesting juxtaposition Mm -hmm. you know it's not a ordinary person on an extraordinary adventure it's an extraordinary person Doing superhero stuff. Oh, by the way, I meant to point out, I forgot about this. Like, John Constantine has always been, you know, 
like him and in modern Doctor Who have a whole hell of a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I was surprised that he straight up pulled a Doctor Who. Oh where yeah, he walked into the party. He was like, "Hey, I'm John Constantine. If you don't know who I am, ask the person next to you." Don't move or I'll kill you all. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then everybody just kind of accepts it and lets him go. I was like, well, that was very Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, I that think there was... is an extra level in that afterward he's like, I can't fucking believe that worked. I was bullshitting <laughs> right, so hard. Right, right. Whereas, like, Doctor, the doctor actually get... can back that shit up. Sure, sure. But yeah, like, I, I like the John Constantine as the con man, petty dabbler almost every man or what he wasn't every man 10 minutes ago kind of characterization i don't i'm not a big fan of when he like does like the doctor strange spinny uh sigil hands you know it's like that's that's less interesting than like oh i just happen to have like a a salt packet and a cigarette and that's enough for me to do a a charm of some kind, mm-hmm. you know, the the MacGyver magician instead of the superhero magician yeah, kind of thing. I, I do like that he kind of, well, he kind of always gives off this vibe of, like, <laughs> he could be super powerful or whatever if he wasn't just kind of a drunk. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he kind of gives off this thing of, like, he, he may have done an amazing thing, but if you ask him about it, he'd be like, I don't know, I was completely blitzed the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I, you know, which is a, it's, it's an interesting character setup. Uh, yeah. But man, fuck, I want a goddamn movie with, uh, the Matt Ryan from, oh, Matt yeah, Ryan yeah. Casting from the Arrowverse, because yeah. he was good. Yeah. I, I just love the Constantine that is the person who just knows a lot of really talented people. That's true. You know, he's very. He's. I'd say he has one of the things that's fun about him is he's got a. Uh, and he it shows up every once in a while. So he's got a very Batman esque kind of like. Well, I have a plan, and I can mm-hmm. grab. His, his, his is less planned out, but it's more like I at least know who to go to for this. Yeah, Where, like when you look at, like, I think especially that has that's shown through really well in all of the uh, Injustice video game comic series. Yeah. He was really great in that, and it had a, it was a, a lot of him just like, I need that monkey, that the chimp that's a detective. Yeah. I, and I need, and I need that, this other guy. That is another good example of, like, like, playing with all the toys in the toy box really right. well. Yeah, yeah, no, the, totally. That I really dig that one, as that uh, series as well. Yeah, yeah, Constantine is, I have a plan, the only difference between him and Batman is, like, Batman's plan just works, Constantine's plan still probably ends with somebody dying. Right. But at least it wasn't everybody dying. <laughs> right. Uh, so everyone still hates him. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that about him is that how everybody seems to have had enough of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally everywhere he goes, people are just like, uh, fine. Five yeah. minutes. Like, I yeah. love it. It's great. Uh, yeah, it is. So, one, oh, so one thing I really like about this, and I think it's, it's interesting because... I would say the most comparable thing that I've seen Marvel put out is another book I've tried to get you to read 
which I probably will pick sometime, which is Marvels, which uh, it's interesting because in Marvels, the main character is just a photographer for the Daily Bugle, like, but in like he's a kid in like World War Two era and going Wait, forward. Is this the one that has like original Human Torch kind of deal? Yeah. Well, it starts yeah. there, but it's him. Like he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, I've read that. Oh, you have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of the most comparable thing to this because like you get from Human Torch through like the X Men. I think. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, that you, you definitely. I'd say. I was also going to mention besides Fifty Two uh, for DC. Uh, Kingdom Come also has a very, it's a, another limited series that's a tour mm-hmm. of stuff, you know? Yeah, and it, it has very a, much is of it, it, more each main, time, yeah. You yeah. don't get kind of the walk through history, which right. I think is a fun aspect. Right, right. Um, and that's one thing I thought that it, it's kind of highlighted with this that I think people forget because it's not, it's not super transparent with the big three, but like DC's roots are in this actual type of fiction more than it is in superheroes, because both right. like, Zatara first appears in the same issue of Action Comics that Superman does, mm-hmm. and uh, Doctor Occult predates Superman. I think uh, I think definitely the the thing that DC Comics has that it's, it's like that it leverages that above Marvel, like Marvel has a lot of really great stories about normal people getting mm-hmm. responsibility and doing stuff. I'd say DC Comics, obviously the comparison is always like, oh, they're gods. They are gods, but they're just in general, they're mythology. Like they, yeah. they're, and they connect to actual mythology. They connect to actual historical, you know, fairy tales and, mm-hmm. and you know, magic uh, stories of, of other cultures and stuff. And when, when someone takes that, and draws that line directly of like, oh yeah, like John Constantine belongs in a room next to Merlin's apprentice, or yeah. you know, like that's where it gets super fascinating and, and interesting. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they they can do a lot of really cool shit by tying it into legends that you know exist out there, and, and there's a lot of ways to to drawn different unique cultures that way there's a lot of ways to kind of just make it feel like it is more of a like there's benefits that you get by making it feel like more of a human construct than Mm -hmm. just a story that is happening or something you know my my favorite thing that dc is able to do through what you're talking about where their big three in justice league is mythological figures that in a way that like the Avengers are all are humanized so consistently um, so that it would hard, be hard to pull this off where, like, even in this, they have multiple characters sometimes being like, I met Superman once. And it's like, it's cool that you can do that. And that's an interesting thing. And it's not like, oh, well, why? I just want to read about Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I find it so much more relatable to be like to read a story about the character who's like oh i saw like this is what my day was like living in a superhero world or something um there's a i think it's a brew breaker series that that's pretty much the entire premise it's like a superhero world but every story is told by like just some random person's perspective 
Sure. Um, and there's a lot of cool, like, just in general, like, there's the, uh, what's it, Gotham Central or something like that? Yeah, with, uh, Gotham Central is such a good example of yeah. that. Uh, uh, maybe it's not Brew Breaker. I'm forgetting. Uh, but yeah, Gotham Central is a great example of that. Um, there was like a, a Jimmy Olsen miniseries that I loved where it, it explores what the fuck does it mean to be Superman's friend and but also not know that he's Clark Kent. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, how are you friends with only Superman and not really <laughs> Clark Kent? Like, how right. does that work? Like, there's a, there's a scene in that that I love where it's Superman's talking to Jimmy about, like, what it's like being married, and Jimmy's like, oh, you mean to Wonder Woman? Like, I don't know, I just assumed you meant Wonder Woman, because, like, who else could you be married to? And he's like, no, I'm not fucking married to Wonder Woman. Like, I would, you would know if that was the case. Like, no, I'm married to a normal person. So, I forgot one thing that I wanted to say, uh, or wanted to point out in this comic that I love. Um, I think it was really cool that they had Dead Man, Boston Brand, show oh, yeah. like six times and never show his ghostly self. Yeah, because you they wouldn't just see said, it. And never say he's Dead Man. Just, oh yeah, I'm, I'm Boston Brand. Right. And that kid is grounded too. The point like, that, that, that kid is just like accepting everything. So he's yeah. just like, oh hey, what's up? Yeah. Like, I, that's a good call out that they don't call him dead man because also it's like why the why would you that's so fucking weird right (laughs) right right like i love i i think that's one thing the dc magic world gets to do a little bit which is like almost like what the boys does but less fucking uh, like aggressive of just being like it is kind of fucking weird that everyone goes by like these superhero names and stuff like Mm -hmm. seems a little unnecessary they could still do their their cool stuff without that. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, Austin Brand being like, yeah, I used, I was called Dead Man when I was alive and a circus performer, right? But I'm neither neither of those things now. So calling myself Dead Man would be kind of fucking weird. But I just love that, like, Dead Man has has done cool things in you know big events, like in Blackest Night, he had a lot of jumping around and traveling mm-hmm. around and telling people stuff or whatever, but. So he's like, a, he's in, because of his unique, you know, situation, he's got, like, interesting stories they can tell where he can jump from place to place and, mm-hmm. you know, talk to very different people or whatever. So it's nice to see, like, that incorporated in, but not even, you know, fully explain it, not even really mention what his deal is, you know? They just kind of yeah. say, he's just kind of like, oh, I'm a ghost, I possess a guy. And, and, you know, at that point, <laughs> the character is just like, okay, right. yeah. That is one thing that's interesting. I think we kind of touched on this earlier. It's like, I don't know how this works for someone who doesn't know DC well. You know? Oh, well, that's the thing. I I think, I think you get one of the things I think is cool about it is that I think you actually get more and more into the, I mean, he's becomes the character, the kid character becomes more and more of a point of view character, the less that you know about the DC universe. But I'm hoping that like, I'm hoping that people get interested by reading mm-hmm. through this and be like, who the fuck was that chick that just killed the universe? And yeah. then you Google it and it's like, oh, yeah, it, okay, it, Sandman and, and his sister and and they're, she's, you know, like a f- literally death and like, or Boston Brand, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And 
you, if you Google Boston brand after watching, like after just reading through this thing, and you see a, a, a albino dude in a, with a red suit with a giant collar, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck? Like, what is yeah. like you know?" And maybe look at some stuff. I don't know. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably true for some people because that's how I appreciated. Uh, American Gods when I was reading it were like I knew my Germanic mythology and like every, everyone knows Greek mythology and stuff but like I obviously didn't know like the Russian Ukrainian gods that were showing right, up but right. I would read it and be like exactly I would google it right after and be like okay think, who, who is this person supposed to be I think that that's one of the fun things I think in general like so there's two kind of in general I think there's two perspectives to come at references like this i think in, in not just dc comics or anything but also just like in real life when people make references to stuff mm-hmm. you know there's a way in which that it can certainly come off as like pretentious or exclusive you know and and like oh excluding if i don't know that reference then i just don't get to get it and i don't get to have as much fun or whatever but there's also the like way in which I I feel like you know Neil Gaiman does with a lot of his stuff where he's like he doesn't expect everybody to have like encyclopedic knowledge of mm-hmm. like the deities of like sixty different cultures. Yeah. He did all that work and and read through all that shit and he's going to tie it together in an interesting way. And if somebody piques your interest, Google it and yeah. you know if it's or, something you you need to know or you need to know you'll get that information. Right. And I think and it invites you to the thing I like about it is that it invites you to research the stuff and then you can in retrospect appreciate stuff in a better way of like like if you're reading through a Wikipedia article, I don't have like an example off the top of my head, but like if you're reading through a Wikipedia article and you're like oh, there was a story about this god doing this, that explains why there was a chicken next to him or mm-hmm. like, you know, like, or, or whatever right, yeah. weird thing it is. It's like, oh, like that, you know, that makes so much more sense. And that is really a cool callback to this thing I'm reading right now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, actually, I have a good example of that. So uh, this is like a super deep cut that the so in the when Dr. Cult is like, oh, I know Baba Yaga's real name. And then Tim's like, oh, no, you're bluffing like John was. He's like, no, I'm, I'm no, not. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes on this this whole shtick of, like, I drank this wine after I won, and then this wine had these very weirdly specific rules about how it worked. That's all lifted from uh, Germanic, Norse, Odin mythology. That's nice. part part of, like, the stuff with Odin's really weird because all of his godliness comes from doing specific things mm-hmm. so it never read like if you actually like read through it it's like it doesn't feel like you're a god it feels like you're just a guy who like went through a bunch of D campaigns and collected abilities and stuff <laughs> right you know he's like i can unlock any lock it's like it's weird that you have to call that out as a specific superpower right it's like right. well i have like i i won a bet one time and now i can do that it's like that's not how gods get their powers traditionally. <laughs> they usually don't have to earn it like piecemeal like that. Right. Uh, but I love that that mythology because then it allows for situations like this where you can say a character also did that and has earned those magical abilities. Right. Um, right. Yeah. 
So yeah, that kind of stuff is super fun. And then also like, yeah, I, it's kind of like the Easter egg. Like, I think it's what people love about the Easter eggs of uh, Marvel movies or even like why Family Guy works. You know, mm-hmm. like I when I was younger and I thought I appreciate I still thought Family Guy was funny. You know, I would be like, well, shit, I really should watch Back to the Future 1 and 2. So I fucking understand <laughs> what the fuck they're talking about. Right. right. You know, well, like I said, there's ways to do it that are worse and there's ways to do it that are yeah, better. Not all <laughs> illusions are literary illusions or right. mythological like I think that's what we think of because, like, everyone learns what an illusion is when they're reading Shakespeare in English lit class in uh-huh. the seventh grade. But an illusion can be a reference to a different comic book superhero that's not being called out or a reference to fucking Back to the Future. Right. And I think a lot of the, you know, I think in just in general, the more and more that you can, like, one of the cool things about it when they're deployed well. Right is the way that it deepens your understanding with just a very quick word, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like instead of telling the whole story about how Odin drank that wine that one time and got that thing, you knew that already because you had yeah. already read it, and then so alluding back to it in like three words, you can get the very true understanding of what happened there and the situations around it and what it means. You know, yeah, it's world building with efficiency, right? You know, in the same way that, like, uh, yeah, like, like, tons of different franchises do it through their Easter egg stuff. Like, uh, uh, a weird one that I really like that I'm thinking of is that that Friday the Thirteenth fan film, where like it's the hiker going through Crystal Lake, but they keep finding like weird little bits that if you actually go through the Wikipedia rabbit hole, it's like, oh, that arrow in that tree is specifically a reference to this kill from the third fucking Friday the 13th movie yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff can be so enriching, and it might be less, like, I think the fun part about it, right, is that sometimes, since those things can be interpreted differently or, or mm-hmm. have different, like, takeaways or whatever, sometimes it can be less accurate, but it it invites you to think about it a little bit more and to yeah, you can it, get a better idea roughly of, of, of a universe. Through, and it, through it kind those. of, it kind of a, takes advantage of the same utility of a mystery box without, um, the expect, like without a need of opening it and therefore undermining what it is. Cause like now I'm thinking of the original Arkham Asylum game, which had like a ton of fucking allusions to their other characters, which if you got them, it's like, oh shit, that's really cool that like Killer Moth exists or Clayface exists. Mm-hmm. Uh and then you can you can like imagine the stories of like what does Clayface in Arkham Asylum look like? What or like Riddler was my favorite, because it's just like I got the voice, but like Okay, what do they actually look like? What do they actually like? How, like, right, what does a, right. uh, uh, a Riddler I know tra- an, trap an look like? An iteration of them is in this, but we don't right. know. Right. So I'm still kind of I, I have the the tools to maybe like brainstorm what it could be, 
and I can right. kind of be like, what what do I want it to be? Versus like Arkham City start just telling you what they were. Like right. you know explicitly what are like the penguin looks like, and he has a bottle in his shoved in his face for some reason, uh, which isn't bad. Like I don't think there was ever an answer in Arkham City that I was unhappy with the answer, but I did feel kind of underwhelmed not having. It, 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 the difference well, was like in Arkham Asylum, you have the game world, and then you have a vaster meta world that you, that you're alluding to. Right, right. And then in Arkham City, it felt like you you are get your what is what there is is what you see. You know, right. there is well, nothing it, it, outside it, the bounds of this game. Right. Um. Quick little fun fact: mm-hmm. the, day that we're, the day that we're recording this is the 10-year anniversary of Arkham Asylum being released. Damn, that's right a fun now. coincidence. Yeah. It's all one way. Which is funny, it, like, tonally, it, it, I, I can see how we got into this train of thought, because Arkham Asylum is kind of loosely based off the graphic novel uh, A Serious House on Serious Earth, which is a Grant Morrison comic, but it's yeah. from the same era... Uh, they like Dave McKean does the art for that comic, and he does a lot of Sandman and and Vertigo yeah, art and very, stuff. Yeah, it's art is very very Sandmany. Yeah, he did a ton. I think he did like almost all the cover art for Sandman, in or fact, like just like a shit ton of it. In that uh, in that series, when Batman speaks, he has black speed troubles with white text. Oh yeah yeah, which is a cool little uh, detail. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I might check out this comic. Oh, I, uh, a recommendation if you're like if you want something very co- comparable to this, but it, to like just use it like something that's playing with the same toys. There's a really silly comic that DC did recently called Mystic U, where the inciting incident is like, oh shit, there's like the fucking scariest bad magic person in the world. What we should do to rectify this is like a weird time manipulation spell that will give us time to prepare to fight this. And what it ends up doing is it makes like half of the wizards college students at a Harry Potter school ran by the other half of the wizards. So like Mr. E and Rose and Dr. Occult are like teachers, but then Zatanna and uh, Sargon are students it's really weird and very way like very cheesy. It's like published fan fiction, but it's super yeah. fun. I did um, not read this, but it, it felt like uh like a DC version of like Young Avengers. Yeah. Kind of with like Yeah, the the difference is like it's literally the same character being aged backwards, not right, versus right. like it's not like young Zatanna, the cousin of regular Zatanna. It's sure, like, no, but no, it's, Zatanna is always she. Her age Z- is pretty fluid. Zatanna's character and Kate Bishop's character are not that dissimilar. Correct. <laughs> like, so yeah. Yeah, I just mean like the because like in Books of Magic, she's kind of implicitly a retired superhero, so that her age and right. Constantine's right. age still feel appropriate. Right. Uh. But then, like, in Mystic U, she's 17. Right. Intentionally, but in the prologue to the story, she's 35, and right. it's it's weird, timey-wimey stuff. Yep. But, 
Yeah, I think I want to check out this Books of Magic new series and see if it's any good. Nice. Good. Well, cool. Yeah. Oh, I had a follow-up thing from last week. This is... There was a point at which you had said something in Rear Window reminded you kind of of, like, Fincher-esque kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I happened after we were... Uh, Watching that to be watching some other thing. Uh, I can't remember what it is at this point. Mindhunter? I, well, I watched Mindhunter, but I, I think maybe I was watching like a behind the scenes on it or something. I don't know. It was some. No, no, no. I think it was a different. It was a movie podcast that was okay. talking about something else. Anyways, they happened to mention that Fincher is apparently like a huge Hitchcock like mm-hmm. fanatic. Like, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so at all. it made it uh, was fun that it was it was kind of like the the oh I'm seeing the the evolved the evolution of it three you know mm-hmm. like things later of this thought you know and seeing yeah. the early version of it so nice and just for clarity I think I met David Lynch if I said David Fincher I would have misspoke, oh, but well, then still I holds also, true. I, I, I don't disagree with that thought. I could have completely misheard you and just thought you said David Fincher. Yeah. That's possible. Uh, well, cool. Maybe David Lynch likes Hitchcock, too. I don't know. Probably. Um, I mean, every any, filmmaker does, right? I guess. Uh, anywho. Anywho. I think, I think that's got it for this week. I think we're pretty good. Uh, if you listen to all this... Without reading books, magic, then you don't really that get the concept. But yeah, that was just a weird thing that, to do. But, but but it's still worth going out and reading because it is cool and it is you know a fun ride through the DC universe. So, um, yeah, actually, that's a good thing. It does feel like almost like the small world r- ride, uh, <laughs> but for right. DC universe, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's cool. Go check it out. Nice. Um, sweet. Well then. Uh, I think that's up it for us. Yeah. Uh, we'll thank Brenna for her awesome artwork. Thank Dave for editing, giving us some theme music. And if you want to comment, you can do so on SoundCloud. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, and peace. Bye.